Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. Welcome to the episode from Tucson, Arizona for February 2014. This is our second episode second. in a row from warm and sunny Tucson, And we have not Arizona. moved or started the RV since we last talked to you on New Year's Eve. Very unusual for gypsies like us. <laughs> well, that was a long and four-day travel, and we have now overcome the 1,700 miles, the, the driving experience, and it's been good here. I like it here very much. Um, as loyal listeners probably know, we tend to winter either in Florida or the Rio Grande Valley, um, Southern California, well, or here oh, yeah. uh, in January, because in January your choices are pretty limited because it's pretty cold. But we're trying to find the, the best place. And while I am not sure that we will be back here again next year, I feel very comfortable here and hope that we can come back here again some year soon. Uh, we've found a campground yes. that feels very compatible to us yes. and a community that is um, of the size that we like in terms of offering shopping and movies and theater opportunities and cultural events, a university town, and um, we really have liked it here. And undoubtedly, the fact that there's been such good weather this winter <laughs> has gonna, had I, something I want to read this article it. from uh, that I picked up from a, a Missis, um, I think Mississippi campground. It's like deja vu, another dreary, chilly morning on the coast at the Southern Comfort RV Park. January hasn't been very southern and certainly hasn't been very comfortable. That's what Brenda Pat Petty from North Alabama is all bundled up sitting next to a heater. When we arrived here on Friday, it was a sh it was sleet all over the place. Everything was iced over, very cold. I've never been seen sleet down on the coast. Boy, did we luck out this year. Well, and, and whenever we do come south, I always keep in my phone um, the weather information mm. for the other contenders yes. for the winter. And I keep an eye on Central Florida, and I keep an eye on the Rio Grande Valley. Yes. And sometimes we feel like, oh, we really blew it, and we've come to the wrong place. Because it was quite cold here for a fair amount last of the winter year. last oh, year. Oh, yeah, last year in January. We, <laughs> we only stayed here in January last year. But this year, uh, as we mentioned last time, they convinced us to stay for both <laughs> January and February. We were only going to stay for six weeks, but we decided uh, to make it a full two months because of the price factor. And and certainly one of the reasons we don't regret this decision <laughs> this is that there is a lot to do here. And last well, year we stayed in a campground that was a very nice campground, just a campground, and we did a lot of touristic things. Right. But this year we are staying in a campground that calls itself a resort, resort. and I would mm -hmm. agree. It has a myriad um, activities, both athletic right. and domestic um, and we have been so busy doing stuff; those two months are just going to fly by, and we're going to—I'm going to still leave here feeling unfinished. Well, we could stay another month. Well, no, six fifty a month, which is pretty reasonable, plus electricity. Uh, but the real factor is, is that they haven't had any rain since December 22nd. There has hardly been a cloud in the sky. We've had one day when it was below 70 and kind of blustery. A little windy. <laughs> but no, yeah. no rain to speak of. With beautiful mountains surrounding us and this beautiful weather, we have really uh, had a good time here because you can count on it every day. You know, it's so much different than home because at home you have to say, well, we can do, we can play tennis, but we have to depend on the weather. We have to check the weather. And here we know first. that the weather is going to be the same every day. And the Tucson weather this year has been just <coughs> fabulous. And we're sorry if we sound like we're bragging <laughs> for those of you in the rest of rest of our, rest of the country. But uh, this year, as you've probably noticed, with that polar vortex coming down over the Chicago and the East Coast. The West Coast, uh, including south the southwest, um, Arizona, has been dry and warm. It's been above average. Last year we had temperatures as low as 17, and this year the temperature has not gone below 32, and 
the daytime temperatures have been in the 70s. One of the things we really notice here is the huge swings in the temperature between day and night, but that's desert. And when you hear in the summer about, well, yes, it's a dry heat and it's not so hot as it would be if it was in Florida, there is a degree of truth in that and that when it's 74 degrees here, it's not all that warm feeling, especially if you go in a pool and you get wet because you evaporate immediately and you are cold. The mornings are quite cool, often mm. 45, 50 degrees when yeah. we get up. And if you're planning a and day where you, where you are going to do stuff all day long out of the rig, you need to bring um, layers because the, the weather so, temperature change yeah. is quite volatile. So we burned a fair amount of propane. We just put in $72 worth of propane and uh, our electric bill will be 100 bucks because we run the electric heaters but that's for the nighttime and even right now it's uh 762 degrees and today's high was 75 or 80 so it's uh very been very pleasant and we certainly enjoy it this park is very much of a of a campground um but not and so it's kind of kept us from doing some of the touristic things that we have done in the past and we'll be back on the tourist trail next month after we leave here right well at the end of february because we will be here well but the next episode for the RV Navigator will we'll be, still be here. Won't we'll, it? we'll be reporting on the same stuff we're reporting on now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we have to come up with some good ideas for next month. But we've we've enjoyed this campground, and you know, campgrounds have very different personalities, and this one has been very friendly, I would say. And I've been surprised that there are people here from almost the entire mm. country. Um, mm. The people next to us are from Vermont, which mm. is an awful long way to In come. In Ohio, and time. and as you would expect, many of them are from Oregon, Washington, Montana, um, the Northwest, and a fair amount of Canadians yes. as well. But Lots of it seems to be much more or a broad representation of a lot of different parts of the United States than some of the other parks we've stayed in. Mm-hmm. And this park is about half park models and about half RV sites. And it's not full even now, even though they talk about February as being the big month. We'll see next month if it is actually full, but uh, it's getting fuller. Mm-hmm. And every day we notice uh, some more people. But the park is very well run, which is one of the things we really like. Uh, uh, the owner is uh, an on-site resident owner, and they take very good care of the sites. And the they were just distributing gravel over here the other day, and which is nice. he was running a st- street sweeper the other day i've never seen a street sweeper in a campground that's kind of amazing so our biggest problem has been dust which is not really all that bad we have had to wash the car a couple of times just because it's dusty which is very which is yeah i'm sure everybody is uh, (coughs) talking about you're thinking why are the rv navigators complaining about the weather but we're not at all so we're enjoying it very lucky to be here yeah, especially as we see the sleet and hail. and oh, I have a Nest thermostat at home. And the Nest thermostat reports to me the, the uh, amount of heat that it has to uh, have for keeping the house minimally warm. I have it set below 50, which is cold. And it's very nice and very heartening to see the Nest and to see what the temperature is in our house to make sure that everything is working. But our furnace has been running six and a half, seven hours a day. Just to so keep about it at 25% 50%. of the time just to keep it at 50. And when it goes up to above freezing, it runs like um, two and three hours a day. So I'm paying big bucks, and I hope that the bill will not be too high just to keep the house uh, from getting too cold. We thought we better um, follow up on the conversation we had about the induction (laughs) cooktop last month. It's generated a fair amount of email. I was extremely gratified by the person who visited our Google Plus RV Navigator page and commented on the fact that putting spam and macaroni and cheese was not cooking. (laughs) Now, what did I make this week that was fabulous on Tuesday? You made some cups out of grand muffins. (laughs) Which took a lot of work. Ground meat and barbecue sauce. Right. (laughs) You take grand muffins and you form them into a... you didn't make them in the... 
induction cooktop. No, but you're I, digressing. Well, well but you, the comment was about my Tuesday cooking. Well, uh, well, which I put a lot of thought into. So you take Grand's muffins and you make them into a into a cake into a cup, and you, you put, put them in a cupcake tin. Put them in a cupcake tin, and then you fill it with barbecue, which you make. You have to make the barbecue from ground meat and a and- bottle of sauce. <laughs> Now, I did sprinkle cheese on top. Yes, you did. And I cooked them. Yes, you did. But anyway, that was the first meal that was made on our induction burner, which didn't exactly give it a, a tryout last month, I thought. Um, and I, I am appreciative of all the people who wrote on the Google Plus page and talked about their impressions <laughs> of induction cookware. And I cookware? would say now that I have used the burner a bit more, that it's probably worth the $50 that we paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a timer, which you can only put time on in 10-minute intervals, which often is not precise enough mm. for me. And it came with a dish that I've been using almost exclusively because none of my cookware that I already own, my pots and pans, will work with the induction cookware because it's not steel, iron. iron. And that pan seems to be very cheap, and I'm guessing but it that, is stainless steel. that when I'm making something like a pasta and a sauce, I have to stir it constantly mm. because it gets very hot on the bottom and it would just start burning mm-hmm. the bottom maybe uh, it's it not distributing the heat very well mm-hmm. so i'm guessing that if i had a better set of pans to use on it i would be more impressed with how it cooks but it does c- cook very fast and is immediately cook cool afterwards and in that it's impressive and it, we found a nice place to store it and one of the things we found which i don't have uh, right here in front of me i should probably stop the recording and, and get this but the we found a set of pans that nest together kind of uh, like <coughs> the old uh, camping stuff but this is high quality stainless steel pans so you have saucepans and uh, a, a wide variety of different pans for cooking using the induction cooker they're made for marine, uh, marine use but in the rv and i'm thinking Wow, that would save us a lot of space rather than having all these pans. Well, I feel kind of bad about buying a whole new set of pans when I bought a whole new set of pans when we moved into this motorhome. these home, are induction. And I would like to hold them in my hand. I would like to see them. Okay. Well, I'll put the link uh, on the website, hopefully. And if and, any of you have used yes, them and have some experiences, right. let us know. And if you're in a smaller RV than ours, these might be very nice pans for you to have. And a lot of people talk about stainless as being really a nice system, a nice way to go. And you don't need Teflon type of coating in order to have clean pans or make them easy to wash. Because I do do the washing. Yes, you are the dishwasher. <laughs> the official washer. Yes, you are. And our buddy uh, Tom from Saudi says, uh, you mentioned that you bought a basic induction cooker for your RV. Hope it serves you well. One of my hobbies is cooking. I saw my first induction cooking at our main office, the front office staff using basic induction cooker to boil the water for their coffee, etc. Later, I saw the same inexpensive plastic induction cooker in the store and purchased one. It does boil water quickly. Hmm. The downsides are that it appears to be all on or all off, which is not the case with ours. For lower temperature power settings, you you have to turn it on and off, and the average temperature or power that was dialed in. The problem is... When it's on, it appears to be 100%. For items that take a long simmering, it always has burned has a burn spot in the bottom of the pot where it was too hot too often. The other challenge is the heating area is about 5.5 inches in diameter. For a smaller frying pan, this isn't a problem, but if, if you're trying to saute a larger pan of food, all the heat is concentrated in the middle. The proper pan selection helps here. When boiling a pot of water, the small diameter of intense heat does not matter as the water doesn't burn. If you want to see the size of the energy circle, have a look at the bottom of your pot that you're boiling. The area with the bubbles is where you are getting the energy. So I guess my question is, if I have a bigger pot that I'm cooking, do I have to stir it all the time? Or if I have a better quality of pot would it distribute the heat more evenly throughout the pot well i think ours has a larger element too than five and a half inches also the fact is is that our burners are very small our burners are bigger much bigger than yeah, five and a half inches true. so the propane burner is not much better you know in your stove at home where you have a large burner and he probably has a <laughs> no, professional cooktop on the burners i use much better pots and pans 
That cooked, but if we had if we had a similar set of pots and pans right. that was the same quality as right. the ones you're using, that may not be an issue. Anyway, we will uh, continue to use the induction burner. She cooked our fabulous dinner this evening on it, and we will give you continuing reports. And of course, if you'd like to go to our our Google Plus Hangout page, then we would like to hear from you anyway. I've posted lots of good stuff there. While we're on the topic of cooking, we should also talk mm-hmm. about the new toaster oven yes. that we purchased since we've been here. <laughs> You've probably heard me rant and rave before that I don't baking very much in our convection oven for a number of reasons. And so sometimes I bake like six muffins um, or bagels or something in a, a cheap little toaster oven that I bought at Walmart for probably 12 bucks. And um, someone who we respect very much as a cook was really r- raving about the Brevel um, smart oven, um, which comes in three sizes, and she is a serious uh, full-time RVer and cook. But she bought the big one. So she bought the big one, and I ran around with a tape measure and couldn't quite yes. justify one that size, so we bought the smallest one, but I've been able to make 12 muffins Not in the there. smallest one, the smallest one <coughs> with the Element IQ, because okay. that seems to be the big factor. They make three with the Element IQ. So I've been able to make um, an 8x8 coffee cake in mm-hmm. there. I've been able to make 12 muffins. And the quality of the baking is much, much better. We were surprised. And you can a move the... oven's a toaster oven. You can move the rack up and down depending on whether you're toasting or baking or broiling. I haven't done the broiling yet. And it distributes the heat very evenly and has nice settings for time and temperature. And I also would recommend it highly. And, of course, it came from Amazon Plus, <coughs> which we have been shocked here in Arizona. Even though our address is Illinois, we have to pay sales tax on everything from Amazon in Arizona. Boo. Boo. I don't know what the hell's going on with that, but geez, that adds up in a hurry. So I didn't order my my DJI Phantom from them because it was too expensive. And that's our next topic. The fabulous quadcopter that I have replaced. So I now have... The fifth aircraft purchased since this became a new hobby. (laughs) Oh, but this is very neat. It is cool. It is cool. And this is the DJI Phantom Vision Vision 2. And this uh, replaces my other one. Not that it was bad, but this one has the camera built in. And I think I talked last time about my lusting after it. And now that it has arrived, I bought it from B&H photo in New York because uh, the tax was 100 bucks, and they offer the same free shipping. But not two days, so I had to wait almost a week for it to arrive. But since it has arrived, uh, it, many very nice new features to it, um, including the fact that it has the camera built in, and it has two-way capability with the camera so that you can actually see the pictures before you actually have to take them. And it does great video and great pictures, and you can aim the camera up and down, tilt it. It has a one-axis gimbal on it, and it has a very nice uh, suspension system so you don't get uh, wavy video. And it's uh, been uh, a lot of fun, and I I did a presentation at the Digital Imaging Club here, and we've had quite a lot of response from that. And as usual, this is one of those things that uh, is going to sweep the country. And I'm just telling you about it now because you're going to be hearing a lot about these, um, I hate to call them drones, but uh, these quadcopters and their capabilities. I'm sure there's going to be regulation, but uh, it's it's going to be a trend that's going to be sweeping every business because who doesn't like to see stuff from the air? And, and certainly now that I have seen the video that Ken has made with the copter, it's made me much more sensitive to how much video is being shot for commercials in particular yes. and movies. Um, and you used to just think, well, they had to rent a helicopter, very expensive. But often the quadcopter footage is yes. quite intimate, just a few feet off the ground right. or away yes, from the, right. the subject. Right. I, I tried a, uh, a <laughs> over-the-shoulder bike ride with Martha, and we uh, 
it was hard to do because even though she wrote at a fairly constant slow speed, um, I didn't have any trouble keeping up with her, but keeping it going in the same line was a little bit tough. So I have a lot to learn with flying, but it's uh, actually very easy to fly, and I haven't had any uh, accidents yet. <laughs> and they've redesigned the props so that they screw on and they go in the counter to the rotation so that they stay tight. You so, did kind of buzz my head one time. Well, buzzing, well, buzzing your head was not the I same thing. That's just that's it. just air from the props that uh, was washing on you. But it was with. But it's cool that you can fly it within a couple of feet of somebody and and take video of that. Mm-hmm. It's a very wide angle lens, so that you doesn't seem like you're that close, but uh, it really looks very good. I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. and the quality is just really fabulous, very nice. And, and, a, and unlike your old one, where you just had to turn it on and then start flying, on this one you can control what it sees and choose when to take a photograph and complete and when flight. To turn it off again flight statistics built right into the iPhone app so that I can tell exactly how high it is <laughs> and what direction it's going and how fast it's going and it goes about it'll up to about 25 miles an hour which is quite a lot and I'm thinking one of the other good things is it has a uh, find my phantom <laughs> feature oh, in the app. wanders away so that uh, should you be in a cornfield and you clip and it goes down you can find it People are always asking you how far away it can go, but I don't really see going that far away no. as that much of an advantage. No, it's it's a matter of it's a matter of sight, um, how far you can see it. To me, I'm not going to let or it how f- high. I'm not going to let it fly further than I can see it. And I think that's going to be one of the features that regulation is going to control when you can fly it further than you can see it, or if it, if you lose sight of it, or if it has the capability to fly without being seen. In other words, it has first-person video. Then I think it, it might be regulated on a little bit more uh, stringent basis. But for hobbyists like me, this is just way cool. And I think many businesses, you know, who's going to stop a campground owner from making a video of his campground and putting it on the website? Or a golf course? Golf course. You know, also, you know, if I fly it over my property, a farmer, uh, all sorts of people, and you see these videos all the time, you can go on the web and see. Uh, real estate videos that have been made with with quadcopters. So, so you're going to link to a sample? Okay, I think you should. Okay, we'll try to do that. If unless I forget, but I know that our listeners will keep me honest and will let me know if I make a mistake. I think you heard us rant and rave before about how disappointed we are by our Diamond Shield, oh. which is um, a twelve hundred dollar um, option. Option when you buy the motorhome. The front now. of our coach, it's like a thick sheet of plastic that has been epoxied to the front, well, and is supposed to protect your finish from rocks. It's like and contact stuff. paper. But um, it has cracked and allowed dirt underneath it, and the dings break through, and then there's dirt where the dings were, and it's getting more and more unsightly. We saw a coach that was based in Florida that even had mold and fungus growing under it. So after lots of reading on the web, we have begun to start removing One of our winter projects in the nice, beautiful, sunny weather is to remove the diamond shield from the front of our motorhome. We've never had any experience with this, but we went out to Home Depot and we bought uh, the chemical. Xylene? Something like that, which is supposed to dissolve the glue and a hot heat gun. That helps pull off the plastic and plastic scrapers. So not not a major investment there, but it's a major investment in time, time because the stuff is cracked. It doesn't come off all that easily, or it comes off in small pieces. And as we found, you have to be really careful with the temperature because you don't want to melt the plastic, or else it will just be gummy. So at this point, we have probably gotten the plastic <laughs> off about one-eighth of the front of our mm. coach, and there's still lots of adhesive that yes. still needs to be tackled. We haven't tried the chemical yet. Um, and we will probably be talking about this again next month. But uh, I am impressed with the fact that the that the finish underneath is yeah, still in good shape. And we shape. haven't lifted any paint. That we was have one not of lifted, my yes. concerns is that we would gouge the paint. Yes, we have not, yes. or It doesn't appear to be scratched. And <laughs> if you use exactly the right temperature heat, you could actually peel off the whole thing and then it's just the paint, and so there's nothing left there. But <sighs> this is a big project. Do I want to talk about the satellite dish? No. Well, it's working now. You fixed it. I fixed it. Okay. So and we're you fixed the over-the-air antenna, too. Yeah. 
<laughs> are over the air, and we've been without TV for a while because the antennas were not working right. But the over-the-air antenna, the coax cable actually broke in half due to weathering, and that kind of surprised me. I was reluctant to try to fix it because the wire goes down inside the roof, and who knows where it goes. But I was able to pull out enough <coughs> good cable from the roof so that I could put a new a, a connector on it. I did not a new connector because the the wire was uh, had become so brittle that when we cranked it up, it just cracked. And so, after ten years, uh, you might have to replace your coax cable to the antenna. There's no way to protect what the new cable that you put. Well, on it's now? out in. The, it's just out there. It, I mean, it, some of it has to be out there. Uh-huh. I mean, there is no. I, well, I suppose you could coat it with something. I don't know. Anyway, so it, this wasn't. It was just stuck down inside the the roof. And, of course, it, it has no connector until it gets way inside, and I couldn't pull new wire without coming inside, and it would have and been a mess. And in terms of some of the repair projects you've done, the, it seemed to go fairly quickly and easily? Oh, yeah. So I put on new coax connectors and I put uh, that came from the wire right at the roof line and then just replaced the other one with regular coax that I bought at uh, Radio Shack. And, and that seems to have worked okay so far. It's not beautiful, but it's done. Yay. Yay. But the repair list continues. Yeah, well, because we can't repair stuff in our at home because we can only keep our motorhome in the, in the driveway for 24 hours, we kind of tend to spend these uh, times when we're ex- at a long-term campground for repairs. When we've come to campgrounds like this where a lot of activities are offered, um, there are always people that are here beginning in October. And we usually arrive at these campgrounds after the Christmas holidays. And um, I often have felt um, uneasy or unsure about how to get involved in these kinds of activities where it seemed like there were all these people already doing whatever it was they were supposed to be doing. And um, this time here in Tucson, uh, one of the things that people come to Tucson for is the Gem and Mineral Show, which is going to take place here next week. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about it once we've gone to it ourselves. It seems to be a really to to the Gem and Mineral Show, a really big deal here. It's well, they talk about it as the, the biggest gem and mineral show in the United States is here next month. People come from all over the world to go to this. So this kind of caused my mind to um, turn toward the lapidary shop, which is one of the many craft possibilities here in this campground. And here in this campground, I would say there's about a number of the activities here. They've made it very easy to get involved just any old time. And they teach a number of different skills in the jewelry making arena. Their skill. You sign up for whatever you want to learn. And the teacher who volunteers their time uh, calls you up and arranges a rendezvous and you go and you take a class with them and the first class I took was a class learning how to make chains which started with a spool of metal and then winding the but they're fancy chains not winding just the metal chain link. onto um, a dowel kind of and then making springs and, and what kind of, sawing them what in kind half of and wire did you use um, bronze I well, think. and they had lots of different kinds well, that was what my teacher gave me to use. Yeah. And but. he spent literally the entire day with just me. <laughs> Not because I was so stupid, although that was undoubtedly a factor. Um, I wasn't there. <laughs> but um, there was a lot to it, and I made a lot of mistakes. And in the afternoon, once we had kind of got the chain links made uh he sat next to me working on his elaborate um amazing project and i sat next to him making mistakes (laughs) on my little project but i've learned enough now to um understand how that works and to hope that when i go to the gem and mineral show next week (laughs) that i can find some raw materials to make something else. You're going to buy gems and minerals? With my new skills. I also took We're a class... We're having to shell off for gems and minerals? I also took a class oh. where I learned how to wrap uh, a stone with wire decoratively. Oh. And a stone, and a class where I sawed a stone... <laughs> sawed? And shaped it and polished it. So we're going to this thing, this show to buy stuff? We don't know. We don't... <laughs> We don't know. You don't know. But I have a lot more I know. skills now to go there than I did when I first got here. There are 43 sites. 
at the German, at the German mineral show. They have shuttle buses that go between the sites. <laughs> they, they, inst- they put up these tents, which we see going up even now, a week before the show, that uh, are for vendors, I guess. And I don't know what we're going to see at the Gem and Mineral Show. How many gems and minerals can you have? And fossils and stuff they're selling? But apparently, wholesalers come from around the world. We had uh, dinner the other night with uh, a couple who was here to vend at the show, and they are... They buy stuff here, and they sell stuff here, and it's a huge event. We'll let you know next And last time. year, because we weren't here in February, we didn't... Uh, we left too soon. We left too soon. Uh, and while I'm talking about how our campground has run these we classes... We should have a picture of your chain in the for the... Oh. I also want to say that I really like the way this campground does tennis and pickleball. Uh, we've been in campgrounds where, again, by the time we got there, there were all these teams and leagues and pairings, and, and it was very hard to just get involved. Where uh-huh. at this campground, they have pickleball and tennis every morning, roughly from 9 to noon, and you come when you feel like playing, and you stop when you feel like <laughs> you're done playing. And I love it. <laughs> Not too much exercise. Well, well as but, much and as you, you want. It's their pickup game, so you yeah. just play as much as you, much right. as you want. There's no real competition, and uh, everybody just comes for the exercise. It's uh, very low stress, right? Other camp, other places there are They're leagues too serious. and things. Yeah, but they, the shuffleboard here seemed to be quite serious. We drove by yeah. it the other day, and yeah. they were having some it sort of formal on competition. Who's running it. it probably depends a lot on that. Um, we also want to mention, uh, I've had a lot of problems with these new cars because our new, both of our cars have fobs, which are electronic keys for your starting your engine and that sort of stuff. Is this going under the you can't teach an old dog new tricks chapter? And how many times have I left the engine running on our Jeep? And some of those times I didn't notice that you were doing it, and we walked away and went to a restaurant and had dinner. And well, and the two cars is running and running and running and running. And the, these two cars are entirely different because in the Lexus, when you push the stop button, it puts the car into park and shuts off. So you don't put the car into park in the Jeep. If you don't put the car into park, you can't turn you can't it off. Sh- shut the engine off. So there have been numerous times when I've tried to shut the engine off, and the car was still in gear, which I, I which is a definite safety factor. And then there are other times when I put it in park and just gotten out of the car without shutting it off. But so far, those little faux pas haven't caused <laughs> us <laughs> any major problem. No one stole the car while I was sitting there. Running. Well, it was locked. <laughs> Remember when we came out? I said, "Who the hell has the lights on in the parking lot?" Oh no, that's it's <laughs> and it's running <laughs> because it had gotten dark and the lights had automatically turned on. It's uh, bad when your car is a lot smarter than you are. I isn't know. It? And then this week, I lost my fob, and we still have not found it. It's here in the campgrounds or in the RV someplace. We but looked, one of those things. And looked and looked. You would think in a motorhome there aren't that many places to look. And of course, you look. can't just go to Ace Hardware or to Home Depot and, and have a, a new, new key. key for three dollars and ninety-five cents. Uh-uh. You got to get the fob because that's the only thing that will start the car and run it. Oh, so we went to the Jeep dealer, and probably you're going to laugh at me. Um, I don't know where else to go because you have to have it programmed by the Jeep dealer. And I suppose that's a security feature, too, because it does involve the... Well, there weren't websites that offered to do it for a whole lot less, but we didn't really know if they... If it was legit. I don't know. So maybe somebody can give us some advice about this. But uh, $270 later... Ken now has a new fob, which looks just like the old fob, but now he has to get new RV keys to go on the with the fob. Regular old keys, which he hopes won't cost a gazillion dollars. Not so. only does the old dog not do new tricks, he's also getting forgetful. <laughs> I lost them out of my pocket. I didn't forget them anyplace. Well, maybe. They're here in the campground someplace. somewhere. So pretty soon. And of course, I asked him, I said, well, if I find my other ones, will I then have three? And they said, oh, no. <gasps> that won't work? No. Oh, because it's a totally new program. Yeah. So why bother pro- looking for it? Well, well, prob- what would it cost well, like to, to reprogram it? I, I think uh, not much. Uh, I think I, if we if we find it, it'd we be will. worth to have a third key. What the hell? For the next time you lose your fob? Well, <clears throat> Could happen to me. Yeah, let's not be too gloating. Let's talk about uh, campground directories. 
In the good old days, in the bad old days, <laughs> all you had was some sort of Woodall's giant Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, there were several, weren't there? Listings, and now they're all listings. consolidated, yeah, the yeah. print ones. And I was looking around for the 2014 version of the printed one, and I really was having a hard time finding it. And I would guess that one of these days they're going to stop printing them. Mm-hmm. But I really like having them uh, for those occasions when you're not connected. Yes, which these days is getting less and less with your smartphones and that sort of stuff. But it does still happen. But she likes to have the printed version, and so we have ordered the 2014 version of the Camping the Good Sam Campground book, which will be very thick. But in the in doing the research for this, I found a review site that has reviewed the all of the sources for campground information. And we have talked many times about uh, RV Park Reviews and how much we enjoy that site because it has reviewed Reviews written by users, real people. people. And one that we have found recently, uh, which is very helpful as an app, is the All Stays app. This seems to have a very large database of campgrounds. And one of the things that I really like about it that's different than using the RV Park Reviews is, is that it knows your location so that it shows you all the campgrounds nearby. So, Or you can type in a city or a location, and it will show you the campgrounds on a map. And one of the things that we're frequently looking for are campgrounds that are right along the expressway. Or we're looking for ones that are not along the expressway, depending on what we need. And this uh, app shows you right on the map exactly where all the campgrounds are located. So you can just press on it, and it shows you reviews, and it gives you pictures, and it shows you all sorts of information about that campground, as well as, of course, the, the contact information. And you can just dial your phone right from the app, and it will. you can uh, make your reservation or talk to the campground directly. So that's a pretty nice app. And I noticed that uh, when I went to the Campground and Park Reviews Guide to the Best Resources website, which you'll find on our website, a link to that, where they rate various services, that the Allstays website, the Allstays app, uh, both get very good reviews from them, and I would definitely concur with that. But they also rate all of the other potential sources, like uh, TripAdvisor. I never really think of TripAdvisor as a place to look. No. Do these tell you the directions to the campground, or do they just assume you're going to use a GPS? Well, if you use the smartphone app, it of course does, Uh because you just press take me there and it gives you directions. Well, one thing I like about the paper copies Mm. is the directions are often written by the campground owners, which sometimes will take you in a way that's a little bit longer. But you don't have to make a left turn or something. But easier access to get into the park or something. That's one thing I still like to look at. Yeah, you know, the the book is... It was nine ninety five and ten dollars shipping, so <laughs> and big and heavy and big and heavy. So we're having our shipped to us <laughs> as we speak, but uh, I can see the apps as becoming something that's more and more feasible. And of course, uh, we really like the Rand McNally built-in camping information that has all of that built right into it. So uh, the the all stays though I think is a. Uh, contemporary and current and up-to-date so uh-huh. because it's an app. So you might want to take a look at this website and uh, decide for yourself what you would want to use for finding campgrounds because I think as RVers, this is something we're always interested in doing. And after February, we will be headed to Stovepipe National Park. Oregon Pipe. <laughs> Stovepipe. I like Stovepipe. Pipe. The cactus out here are fabulous, and we've been taking lots of great pictures of cactus. Oh, what do we do today? We went to the Arizona Sonoran Desert Museum, Museum, which is this a is a world spot. class, yes, a world class uh, tourist attraction. And one of the things they have, which is just really fun, is the Raptor Show, where they have free flying birds. And of course, the, the park is huge; it's in the middle of the desert, and so these free flying raptors are attracted by food. Trainers, <laughs> trainers put w- little bits of food here and there. And they have several different kinds of raptors that they bring in. And they are free-flying, and the, the photographic opportunities are fabulous. They're not banded. They're not on a leash. They come when they're, they want to, and they leave when they're done. They're kind of trained because... This is such an easy life. <laughs> the, the food is the motivation. The food, well, I mean, and these birds uh, respond to free food, and they get a, have a very nice lifestyle. They don't have to get cold, and they don't have to work very hard for their food. They just have to fly around, and the experience for us as observers is just 
first class because and they swoop around and they swoop buzz around your head and, and, and they they bring them all over the the area so that you can get some just really good pictures. So we were out there today in a perfect weather day, blue sky day, and taking some some fabulous pictures. So if you're in Tucson, that's a destination that you definitely don't want to miss. A full day because they have lots of other things to see. Besides the raptor show, lots of and it's very natural. The I flora like flora and fauna of the desert. And very, the whole thing is very quality done and lots of docents to help you out and answer questions. The hummingbirds was also really yeah. nice too. They have a hummingbird aviary. They have a, a bird aviary, which are very, very worthwhile. And some four-legged animals too. Right. So as you know, I've been kind of searching around. <laughs> it's a little bit of a switch. So, uh, looking for a new console radio for our motorhome. And I see that JVC has a new one. Last month I mentioned one um, that had an Android uh, front end. And this one is another glass panel. Uh, double DIN. And do you remember what Double DIN is? I have no idea. You don't remember what Double DIN is? You have to go back and listen twice to last month's episode. Twice as big as the display? Ooh, no, not twice as big as the display. Twice as big as a standard radio. A standard radio. Which is the size of the motorhome's opening for its radio. But this is another one, and it, it says, JVC integrates Pandora in mobile audio systems. Now, this is always a question to me. How do you integrate Pandora, which is an internet, internet radio service, into a car stereo? A motorhome stereo. You must use cell phone data, which Ooh, is I'm iffy. Not do that. And expensive. I, I, have a, I have a Pandora account, which I like very much. But I use it all use the time at home. at home, yeah, but I don't use it on the road because it uses up too much data. Okay, well, anyway, so uh, I'm looking at this, and probably you'll hear me grunting and groaning as I put in the new front end to our. Are you doing that soon? No. Oh. Well, I don't know. If something cool comes along, I will. We're also interested in uh, interesting places to go, and our buddy Ron Jones, who we interviewed uh, a while ago, has uh, come out with a new book called Best RV Trips, and he has brought together 14 distinct trips. He recommends 14 distinct trips, some of which are well-known destinations such as the Canadian Maritimes, while others are somewhat uncommon, including the Mogi Dugway, the Gaspé Peninsula, and an RV trip to downtown Chicago, <gasps> which is not a place I would consider taking an RV, but there is that one place, well, place to, to park, park by yes, McCormick indeed, Place. Yes. Access to the information on the website is free, and visitors are not required to register to use the site. Plus, there are hints, tricks, tips, and suggestions, all focused on some aspects of RVing, and all with a how-to focus. And that's at aboutrving.com. Ron has a very interesting style of writing, and he's got a couple of books about uh, Alaska and doing the Maritimes, and so he's put together this new book of uh, interesting trips. I don't have the book, but I've looked on the website, and it's pretty comprehensive. And uh, if you want to camp in in downtown Chicago, then by all means, uh, this is the book to buy. I also should mention that Ron has been testing lithium-ion coach batteries, and he has a complete report about his experiences with the lithium-ion batteries. Lithium-ion batteries for a motorhome are very expensive, but they offer some substantial advantages which you might want to consider, especially if your coach is newer and you're going to keep it for quite a while. He estimates that uh, the battery life is on the order of 20 years as opposed to 5. I'm about to replace our lead-acid golf cart batteries, and that'll probably cost me... Two fifty to three hundred dollars. We get about five years out of our batteries, and that's I consider that to be a decent life for that kind of money. But if you are interested in long life and very reliable service, the lithium-ion batteries might be something that you would consider. Plus, the fact that they are substantially lighter. He has his wife holding the replacement for the four lead-acid batteries in her arm, and four lead-acid batteries will weigh two hundred pounds. Are they, so, are they better for boondockers, too? You, I think they're a lot better for uh-huh, boondockers. Uh-huh. And so he has a complete report. He's been testing these for the company that's making them. And, of course, they are brand new, and one of those things is probably going to come down in price. You might want to keep an eye on that. And his report is good. Uh, I should also mention about the Phantom, that the old Phantom that I have, by the way, has come down in price dramatically. It's now only $450. So... I see these, all these new technologies, as technology does, come down in price dramatically if you just wait. And that's another reason why drones are going to become very common is because they're going to be, you know, two and $300 and nobody's going to be able to resist them. I w- was interested in some of the statistics about uh, RVing. Uh, I've been reading lately 
some of the the reports about uh, the industry uh, lately, and we see that 2013 was a, a banner year for RV manufacturers, and that they was is the statistic which was stunning to me is is that in 2013 there were twice as many RVs produced as in 2009. So the industry is really really coming back. Today, there are more than 9 million Americans who own RVs, a 16% increase since 2001 and a 64% increase since 1980. The RV industry is projected to be a growth industry as baby boomers begin to retire. And I definitely see that as a, a positive sign for us in the RVing industry. Are truck stops safe to camp in overnight? Is it kind of a boondocking? Um, it kind of depends. Um, this article, I think, is kind of cautionary, yeah. where somebody parks in a truck stop and some tired trucker comes by and clips his toad and rips it sideways because he's not paying much attention. Um, I would go to a truck stop reluctantly, but sometimes when you just need a place to crash or Especially if it's hours, a Flying J. Um that's okay. And, and the truckers are there are doing it. But they all leave their engines running. Yeah. It's very noisy. Uh, truck stops for overnight camping are, are okay, I think, uh, by and large. And it's something to definitely consider. And having the services right there of uh, the restaurant and the bathrooms and all that sort of stuff can be really convenient, mm-hmm. especially if you're there without any water right. or if it's too cold to be using your self-contained apparatus. But is it the first choice we have? No. No. But there have been many times when, as I expose is happening right now in the Northeast, is is that there are just plain no campgrounds open, right? And even on our way here, we had trouble finding campgrounds that were open. At the beginning. At the beginning. So this is something that you you should definitely look at as an option. And as I say, Flying Jays are especially friendly for RVers, and we've found that they are more and more friendly to RVers as time goes along here. And so you should definitely consider a truck stop and, you know, take a look at it, see if it has a a big part parking lot and the flying jays let you park in the in the car parking area. they have designated they have areas des- for designated us, areas which i think us. is a key ingredient right to being safe how about taking a <coughs> trip across the united states in t- five minutes in five minutes yes that would be very nice if you could actually physically do that but here's a guy who has made a time lapse and i have used my gopro for doing time lapse and it's been a lot of fun but here this guy took his Canon 60D and mounted it in his window and traveled across the United States. And back. And back. And 12,225 miles. And you get to watch all of that in five minutes in his time-lapse video. Cool. Cool. That'd be kind of fun. Motorhome versus fifth wheel. A question we often have asked ourselves over the years. Which rig is best? And the answer is... Style. It depends. Depends on your own personal feelings, but we have a kind of lean towards the motorhome. But these days, these days. But if you'd like to read an article that uh, kind of goes through the positives and negatives, pros and, cons. pros and cons of each of the types of rig, then you want to want to read this article that I will provide the link for. It's called Motorhome versus Fifth Wheel. I think it's pretty fair. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fair comparison. Mm-hmm. Fifth wheels typically seem to have more living space and more of a homey feeling. The distinction may not hold in many cases. But, you know, as I said, the biggest thing that's changed motorhomes and their ability to customize the floor plan is TVs. And slide-outs. Well, the slide-outs are, but that's that's norm for both. But with motorhomes, what's happened is that you no longer have to have the TV above the driver. Because of the because flat of, panel. Because of the flat panel displays. So... We're lucky enough to have ours in the middle of the coach, but for years you had to have it above the driver, and that was made the floor plan very inflexible. It was hard on your neck. And we just visited a, a couple right here that's camped one space away from us, and they came in in their fiver. That hominess I really felt when you walked in. It had mm-hmm. a nice island kitchen, which mm-hmm. you don't find in motorhomes, and it just had a nice spacious feel to mm-hmm. it. Which And they had a fireplace. Which is stupid, in my opinion. Did you say anything? No, I'm a polite person. <laughs> if I want to have a fire, I'm going to go outside and have a fire. You're going to use our candle fireplace, not which we're not allowed to use plastic here. one, yeah. Okay. So, uh, anyway, if you'd like to read this article, if you're not decided, then we don't let us sway you. Motorhome, motorhome, motorhome. No, it depends how much time you're going to spend in it, too. 
I think when we owned a fifth wheel, we were only camping in the summer. Mm. We didn't need the thermopane windows and all that stuff. Yeah. We didn't have as much money as we yeah. had when we bought the motorhome. Yeah. And we used the truck, which we used to pull it, as our second car. Yeah. And that but was, I was a impressed. fine combination I, for us at that point in our lives. I started talking to this guy because I was surprised that he had hydraulic jacks for his Fit Fiver. It's big. It's, well, it's well, triple axle. But that's something that's something fairly new is to have it stabilized. And one of the things we really like about the motorhome is the fact that the jacks will level it, regardless both both on both directions, both laterally and front to back. So he says that his jacks on his will do that also on his fiver. So that's a really nice feature that that they, they have didn't that. used to have. Yeah, but he was having trouble with his jacks. Though. Well, as have you. Let's not go into that. Who is it? But they have worked perfectly, haven't they? They have. We've had no trouble with our jacks. We have uh, right there in the drawer is the quick bank. I don't see it. Well, it's there. But yeah, anyway. Mine is attached to my computer. Okay, so we, this is a very cool device because you're always having to charge things. You're always having to charge things. And you also need things, places to store stuff. Digitally, and new phones that have this new iPhone connector on it, the Lightning connector, and we bought a product called Charge All. And what this does is is that it charges your iPhone in case the battery is dead, and it has a flash drive in it. Now, isn't that cool? All that, ladies and gentlemen, you get an additional six hours of smartphone use, and you can store up to 1,750 songs on the built-in USB flash drive. But the flash drive is USB and doesn't work with the phone, right? That's correct. That was one thing that disappointed us. Yeah, it does not work with the phone, but it does work with your computer. So if you put this on your keychain, on your fob, then you could lose this too. <laughs> I put it on my computer bag. Hmm, that was a clever idea. But what happens if you need it with your phone? What happens uh, if you want to charge your phone? It won't be there. <laughs> it, then I'd have to carry it in my purse. I have enough in my purse. Okay, so anyway. You is... have it here in the drawer. <laughs> How does that help you with your phone? <laughs> picky, picky, picky. <laughs> it's a cool device. I bought two of them yeah. so that you could have one too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, so uh, we're kind of getting close to the end here, so we want to talk about uh, cool RVs that uh, you maybe haven't seen before. And we have an RV that's got holes in the floor so that you can do ice fishing. We saw a report on the on the nightly news the other night about... Uh, Brainerd, Minnesota. Brainerd, Minnesota, where there was we're a like 10,000 people were out on this lake big full lake. Of people out there, and they were catching fish that were like six inches long. It was a fishing derby. Yeah, right. It was ridiculous. But... There were no RVs like this. This is an RV that that apparently lowers right down onto the ice, or this is six inches above the ice, and it has holes in the floor. <laughs> in the floor, so that you can do ice fishing right right from inside your RV. To each their own. What the heck? I guess you. I don't know. It was kind of a interesting uh, operation. So a new concept. So what do we have coming up for February? What can our RV navigator... Oh, we don't want to forget to mention the, the Google Plus uh, website. Mm-hmm. We now have 32... Members. Members. We're ex- excited to have so many members. Writing interesting comments <laughs> and questions and advice. <laughs> anyway. Well, you haven't promoted it. I, I've, I promoted it on the... But every day there are a few people that... When the nice guy started it, we went to India and didn't talk about it at all, so... <laughs> Anyway, we will approve you if you uh, want to come and be part of our our gang here. We will try to respond and have a a good collaborative collaborative dialogue with you. And If you want to see some pictures of the Raptor Show, that's the place to go. That's where you're going to put them? That's where I'm going to put them. So that's it for this month. And if you're in Rincon West in the next month, we will be here. So come and see us in Tucson, Arizona, where the weather has been great. And we're expecting another month of great weather. Staying put. Staying put. Bye for now.